You're listening to the Southern Solstice Podcast with me, Sarah Sadler. Welcome back to Southern Solstice Podcast. This week is episode eight, and we'll be reading from chapter seven of the book, Coco and Harry. I'm so glad that it's springtime and summertime. I've gotten a lot of pictures of Southern Solstice at the beach, um, going to spring breaks and vacations, and I love those pictures. So keep them coming. It's the perfect beach read or beach listen while you're driving there or while you're just catching some rays. Um, Southern Solstice Podcast has been added to Stitcher, which is a really easy to use and fun platform. It's an app and also a website. Um, So you can find Southern Solstice Podcast there and maybe share it with your friends. You can check it out and rate it, review it, pass it along. If you have a question that you would like to submit about either the book or the writing process, you can send those to me at info at sarahsadler.com and I'll address those in episodes in the coming weeks. Um, That's something that I've wanted to be able to do. So please go ahead and send those in and we can have a little chit chat about all things Southern Solstice. Without any further ado, let's get started on chapter seven, Coco and Harry. The phone rang several times before Jackson answered. Hello? Larkin grimaced in disappointment and defeat at the sound of his voice. The prospect of him not answering was enticing. Hey, it's Larkin. She sat on the edge of her bed in a tight ball. Her knees pulled up to her chin. If she had waited any longer to call him, it would have been inappropriately late and, as Bunny said, suggestive. Several seconds went by without any sound coming from the other end of the line. Jackson, she asked, you there? Yeah, sorry, he responded. I thought I was dreaming for a second. Jackson paused again, drawing in a deep breath. I was starting to think you were avoiding me. Larkin laughed nervously. Don't know why you'd think that. What have you been up to? Jackson asked. Oh, you know, this and that. I'm just making plans for the week, and I guess the sailor ball is tomorrow, so there's that. Are you going, by the way, to the sailor ball? She squeezed her eyes shut tight at the lack of subtlety in the rambling. Oh, yeah, Jackson started slowly. See, here's the thing. I would go, but I have a little problem. He paused, prompting Larkin to ask why. Okay, she indulged him, guarded. Which would be? Well, you know how it is with moving back to town recently and all and not really having any time to reacquaint myself with old friends. I find myself in a little bit of a situation without a soul to go with. Oh, hmm, that's too bad, Larkin said, faking empathy. She immediately recognized his underhanded tone and clenched her jaw. Yeah, well, I mean, I had hoped that an old friend or something would just happen to find herself in the same predicament and I could dust off the old tux in time to go, but she hasn't, uh, she hasn't exactly offered. Jackson sighed heavily into the phone, a smile audibly curling his lips. Larkin held the phone out and glared at the receiver. She mentally reprimanded herself for thinking this would be a good idea. In no time in her life had anything having to do with Jackson Winslow been a good idea. Since when do you wait for anyone to ask you out? Larkin said curtly. I thought you had more game than that. Guess not, Jackson laughed. Especially with this particular girl. See, she's different. 
And sides, I get the feeling she's been avoiding me for one reason or another. Larkin pursed her lips together in defiance of giving in to his game. In true Jackson fashion, he had turned something already uncomfortable into his own personal entertainment. She felt no choice but to return the favor, even if it meant she went alone to the sailor ball. Well, that's just too bad, Larkin began. I'm sure you'll get it all figured out, though. Larkin took in a deep, satisfied breath. Hey, listen, I've got to run out and meet someone for drinks, but I just wanted to thank you for stopping by the other day. I got your note, and yes, absolutely, let's try and schedule something soon. She smiled wickedly as she waited for his response. Oh, okay, Jackson said, sounding taken aback. So I guess I will see you around? Sure, Larkin chirped. Maybe tomorrow night. That is, if you can find someone to bring. She felt a tinge of guilt for being so cold, but quickly shrugged it off. You bet, Jackson said, trying to regain his position in the conversation. Have a good night, Larkin said casually, hoping to sound rushed to get off the phone. Hey, bird, wait. Jackson nearly fumbled his words, scampering to salvage the conversation. I didn't mean for that to sound so conceited. I imagined it, you know, smoother when I rehearsed it. I've actually been meaning to ask if you wanted to go, you know, with me, to the sailor ball. Oh, yeah? She was caught off guard by his complete lack of self-preservation. So do you want to? Jackson asked. Go with me? Oh, I mean, sure. I could use a ride. Larkin bit her finger to hide a laugh. Jackson Winslow, forced to surrender. Okay, it's a date then. Jackson's voice was mischievous again, the shock of Larkin's upper hand wearing off. I'll pick you up at seven. Know how to find the place? Larkin joked, flirtier than she expected. I'll see you tomorrow. Larkin got off the phone and immediately tugged on a pair of galoshes and a rain slicker over her cashmere hoodie and yoga pants. Now in the midst of intense southern heat, an encounter with the relentless garden sprinklers that seemed purposefully programmed for her nightly entrance into the garden was imminent. As the rubber soles of her galoshes squeaked down the stairs, across the main level, and out the back door, Larkin smiled with delight as she made her way to Lil's for an irrigated nightcap of chilled cucumber vodka and watermelon wedges. The Ashby house was buzzing with activity by the time Larkin returned from her morning run at 7.30. Even for May, the weather was mild and a pleasant coastal breeze swept through Charleston's cobblestone streets. Larkin was walking through the garden to say good morning to Lil when she spotted Bunny and Pris in extended chair poses with a yoga instructor that she didn't recognize. Hey, sugar, Bunny strained. Be ready for hair and makeup by four o'clock, okay? Four o'clock. Larkin nodded once in resigned agreement. Upon waking, she had immediate reservations about going as Jackson's date and regretted their childish charade on the phone the night before. Bunny and Pris transitioned into half-moon poses, maintaining the even breathing that only years of yoga could make possible. Iris the Havanese slept quietly in the shade on a pooch-sized yoga mat, stretching and opening one eye as the women stirred into another formation. "'Lark!' Pris called, her face pointed toward the sky as her hair overwhelmed her shoulders. "'Jackson is so excited about tonight. You just don't know how good this will be for him to get out of the house and have some fun. Finally, poor Sugar's been so down. Well, I'm sure you understand.' Oh, good, Larkin said, smiling politely as she continued walking toward the cottage house to check in with Lil. It's just like old times, Pris winked. Larkin stopped mid-stride and twirled slowly back around. Did he say that? Did he say that it would be like old times? Pris and Bunny came down from their poses and looked at each other, clearly sensing that there was an issue. 
Yoga instructor remained in perfect pose, taking one look at the distracted women before resuming focus. Well, no, sugar, I just mean that it would be nice. Pris shrugged at Bunny, implying a lack of explanation. Larkin drew in a quick breath and recomposed herself. Oh, okay. She forced a smile at Pris and once again began walking briskly toward the carriage house, shrugging off the embarrassment of overreacting. Lil opened the front door before Larkin could even knock. The heavenly aroma of cinnamon and sugar wafted out into the garden as Lil licked cream cheese icing off her fingers. If you bake it, they will come, she sang. Works every time. Lil held the plate out to Larkin. Cinnamon roll? How did you know I was coming? Larkin asked with a smirk. Oh, sugar, please, you are in my soul. Lil batted her eyes at Larkin. Plus, I saw you talking to the spandex twins. Larkin took a hot cinnamon roll with a smile and caught dripping icing with her tongue. Lil poured two cups of French press coffee, the only way she would prepare it since her return from Paris, and sat down at the kitchen table contentedly. So I'm going to the sailor ball with Jackson tonight, Larkin blurted out in between bites. I heard, Lil said as she pinched off a piece of roll. What changed your mind? I thought that was a shoebox you were going to leave under the bed. Well, for one thing, I thought it would make Mama happy if I listened to her for once, and I don't know, it might be kind of fun. Plus, Prisetti's been kind of down lately, and Lil held her hand up to interrupt. No need to convince me. Old flames are the hottest kind. I wish you were going. Lil protested the idea with a groan as she took a long sip of coffee. Oh, goodness, you and I both know there's already going to be enough Ashby women there to burn the place down. Lil rolled her eyes as she watched Bunny outside in a bridge pose, cruelly taunting a batch of young landscapers who were helpless but to gawk. Who is she taking anyway? Larkin asked, shaking her head as she watched the men stare drop-jawed at her mother. Oh, let's see, Lil replied thoughtfully. Who's the one that wants to buy that land in the low country? The one that smells like suntan lotion? Larkin raised an eyebrow in recall. Mr. Boca Raton? Larkin thought briefly about the land in the low country. She had heard of several different properties they owned over the years, but never any property in the low country. Yes, yes, that's the one, Lil confirmed. I guess we should start planning for a fall wedding soon. This will be their second or third date, I believe. You know, for Bunny, that usually means wedding bells. Larkin fixed a tight smile across her face. Are you sure she's related to us? Oh, sugar, believe you me. I've considered more than once about pulling some of her hair out for DNA labs, but I know she's mine. She's asked me through and through, same as you. The two women watched as Bunny gracefully stood up from her pose and turned around to bark at the landscapers, telling them to get back to work. I'm not sure how genetics work, Larkin said as she watched the misled men return to shoveling mulch into the flower beds. But I'm pretty sure all of her genes skipped straight over Caroline and me. We're just whatever you are. Lil laughed deeply and reached to pat the top of Larkin's hand in thanks. If genes skip a generation in this family, we better pray you never are blessed with a daughter. The hours leading up to the sailor ball seemed to drip by like molasses in winter that afternoon. Until Caroline's little family arrived for Bunny's excessively unnecessary sailor ball pre-party at the Ashby house, Larkin prepared mentally for her evening with Jackson by following the champagne from room to room. Bart, usually incapable of casting judgment, gave one solitary look of disapproval as Larkin uncharacteristically asked the server pouring champagne to fill her up. 
As it turned out, Bunny was having one of her rare bad hair days, so Larkin, not really caring what her hair looked like anyway, relinquished her scheduled appointment time and accepted Caroline's generous offer to play hairstylist for the evening. By the time Sylvia Winslow arrived for the pre-party and ventured upstairs to Larkin's room to say hello, Caroline was adding the finishing touches to a loosely curled updo, sending Sam and his babysitter to the garden to pick a white peony for Larkin's hair. Sylvia seemed happier than her usual solemn self and wore a dress instead of the post-courtroom attire that Larkin had only seen her in since returning to Charleston. Talk to Jackson on my way over, Sylvia said as she leaned against the wall, smoothing the dress she was unaccustomed to wearing. He sounds excited. Oh yeah? Larkin asked, blowing off the compliment and audibly gulping her champagne. Oh, veuve clico. I love this stuff. Larkin tipped her glass up as far as it would go and popped her bottom lip out when she found it empty. Okay, Lark, Caroline said as she pulled the glass away. I think that's probably enough of the bubbly for you then. Caroline's voice was automatically adjusted to preschool tone, something quite natural since Sam's arrival. Oh, Larkin whined. I was just starting to not feel nervous. She pulled her bathrobe tighter, sinking her face into the plush white terry fabric. Why are you nervous? Sylvia patronized, her eyes darting at Caroline in disbelief. First of all, you're going with Jackson, who's practically your brother. Larkin grimaced, realizing Sylvia must still be in the dark about her past with Jackson. And secondly, Sylvia continued dryly in her courtroom deliberation tone, not one person tonight won't wish they were an Ashby. The sailor ball is like y'all's Oscars. There was the slightest hint of envy in her tone. Sam's raspy laugh distracted all of them as they heard him climbing the last flight of stairs, filling the third floor landing with instant, unbridled joy. This is the one why heel, Sam said in a failed whisper as he got closer to Larkin's door. This one is Locke's room. Yes, it is, Jackson's unmistakable voice said as he entered the doorway with Sam on his shoulders. Larkin snapped her head up in surprise, trying not to look as horrified as she was by Jackson's early arrival. I haven't been up here in a long time, Jackson said reminiscently, looking around. He reached his arms up to pull Sam down, his white suit shirt pulling tight against his chest. Hey, bird. Oh, Sam whispered to him from the floor, tugging at his leg. Her name is Locke. Hi, Larkin nodded at Jackson, plunging a hand into her hair, readjusting a bobby pin. She wanted to start the evening off right, only the amount of conversation called for, no flattery, no cheap banter. Jackson needed to know this was a companionable agreement, just two old friends going to an event. Jackson greeted Caroline with a kiss on the cheek and hugged his sister. He seemed as surprised as Larkin was that Sylvia was wearing a dress. Caroline took the fragrant peony from Sam's chubby fingers and placed it delicately in Larkin's auburn curls. Good job, little man. That's got to be the prettiest flower I've ever seen. She winked at Jackson in thanks for his assistance before turning around to make eyes at Larkin. Nope, Sam disagreed, his eyebrows arch. Jackson said that Locke is the prettiest flower. Larkin's cheeks flushed as she reached for a mirror to see the finished look, pretending to not hear the conversation. Well, hey now, Jackson defended playfully, poking Sam's round belly. So much for you being a secret keeper, huh, brother? Sam giggled in rebellion as he ran and jumped onto Larkin's bed, face planting into the pillows with a growl. Though Larkin knew that Jackson was a parent, it was entirely surprising to see him acting paternal. His entire demeanor was different in the presence of this tiny person. Larkin thought very quickly again about the daughter he had, wondering if he was the same with Avery as he was with Sam. 
Well, it looks like you girls have everything under control, Jackson said as he backed out of the way. I like what you did there, Caroline. He pointed to the peony in Larkin's hair. How about Sam the man and I wait for y'all outside? Sam's eyes got huge as he stood up on Larkin's bed and began jumping wildly in agreement. Oh, Jackson, you don't have to do that, Caroline fussed. Why don't you mingle and enjoy the party? We brought a babysitter for Sam, and Jackson interrupted her with a head shake. I think Bunny commandeered the babysitter for an errand with Bart, and it's not really my kind of people downstairs anyway. Caroline rolled her eyes in the reference to the house full of Bunny's hoity-toity friends. Well, if you insist, Caroline agreed, it would just be for a little bit, though. We're full steam ahead to bedtime. She turned to face Sam in one liquid move, her expression changing from polite to stern without notice. Young man, she started with her chin in the air, capturing all of the attention a three-year-old could muster. You know that I have spies. Everywhere. Spies. You behave for Mr. Jackson, you understand? Larkin held back a smile as she watched Sam stare slack-jawed at Caroline, inarguably the most powerful woman in the world. Yes, ma'am, Sam answered, keeping perfect eye contact. With his word, Caroline's face melted back to her usual charm, and she nodded at Sam with a smile, permitting him to leave. We won't get into any trouble, Jackson promised. Not with spies around, anyway. He nodded at Sam seriously. Hey, I'll just be a minute, Jax, Larkin said, without realizing she hadn't called him that for years. Unless you think bathrobes are the new in thing. Jackson smiled on one side of his mouth. Well, if anyone could pull it off, it'd be you. Larkin forced a tight smile. Huh. Thanks. Her cheeks burned with embarrassment and alcohol. Sylvia leaned her head back in disgust. Oh, Jackson, grow up. You're pretty too, Sylvia, Jackson said, belittling her. He scooped Sam up and headed for the stairs. A shrill giggle ripped through the hallway as Jackson held him upside down with one hand, tickling his exposed belly with the other. Jackson, Sam said through a laugh. Pretend I'm invisible and you can't see me, okay? What a good idea. Oh my word, Larkin, it's amazing. Caroline stood with her hand over her mouth at the black lace Coco Chanel dress that Bunny had found. You like it? Larkin asked with her nose scrunch. It's not too much? Too much? Yes, it's completely too much. It's perfect. Caroline busied herself with the hem, automatically perfecting every detail. You wearing some of Mama's pearls or diamond pendant or what? Well, I thought since my hair was up, I'd wear those Harry Winston earrings. You know, keep it simple. Larkin shrugged. Perfect, Caroline confirmed. I'm going to go tuck Sam into bed while you grab those. I think the combo on the safe is the same. Larkin walked barefooted in the direction of Bunny's bedroom as she heard Lil begin playing a piano rendition of Night Ride and Sunrise for the guests downstairs. Even though she pretended to hate the social requirements of being an Ashby, Lil was a natural at it and always enjoyed captivating everyone's attention. She supposed Bunny got that trait from Lil, only Bunny survived off of it. Bunny Sweet was down the hallway on the other side of the house. Unsurprisingly, it was a grand place that Bunny renovated as a wedding present to Sailor. Sparing no dramatic detail, she had the roof line elevated on the south wing of the house so that the sleeping quarters overlooked a private living area and veranda enclosed by a wall of trained ivy trellises. Larkin couldn't remember the last time that she had seen her mother's room. There was no secret as to why she retreated to it regularly with its airy palette of light grays and whites, delicate millwork, and billowing curtains of dupioni silk framing full-length casement windows. Gold and crystal framed pictures were placed perfectly near expensive European perfume bottles and monogrammed jewelry boxes. The room reflected Bunny perfectly. 
beautifully inviting and intimidating all at the same time. Larkin moved towards Bunny's massive walk-in closet, the automatic lights turning on as she opened the French doors. Bunny's safe was medium in size and full of every piece of jewelry anyone could ever wish for. Larkin entered the code, still the digits of Caroline's birthday and her birthday combined, and reached for a tray of earrings. The two carat Harry Winston emerald cut studs were placed perfectly between a pair of Canturi chandelier earrings and graph yellow teardrops that Larkin couldn't recall ever seeing Bunny wear before. She locked the safe again and turned around to see a small portion of the closet dedicated to a few items of men's clothing. Some freshly laundered shirts and a suit hung on the rack, a pair of dress shoes and sneakers on the floor beneath them. On the table in the center of the closet sat a silver tray with a man's watch and ornate silver cufflinks. Bunny was famous for not being sentimental with things, so Larkin knew the clothes couldn't have been from anyone in her past. She considered Lil's mention of a fall wedding and rolled her eyes. Mr. Boca Raton had infiltrated the family without anyone noticing. Larkin walked back to her bedroom and saw Caroline tiptoeing out of the playroom where she had put Sam to bed. The babysitter, Lauren, halfway listening as Caroline told her how to work the TV in the study, effectively releasing her from her duties for the evening. I'm pretty sure he's playing possum in there right now, but he should be out like a light in no time, Caroline told her. Larkin went back to her room to put the earrings in and grab her shoes. She had missed most of the pre-party, not on accident, and conveniently timed her arrival downstairs as the guests were departing for the sailor ball. Caroline looked radiant in a red silk wrap dress that Aaron admired her in from the bottom of the stairs as she made her descent. A familiar laugh from the top landing broke their gaze, and she looked back to see Sam in dinosaur pajamas, sneaking a peek. Larkin nodded at Caroline, agreeing to escort the escapee back to his room with a solitary smile. Come on, big guy, Larkin said as she made her way back up to him on the second landing. She held her hand out, and he jumped up from the floor to take it. Lock? Sam asked, yawning. Do I have to go back to bed? Yeah, buddy, you do. Sam sighed and rubbed his tiny hand on the top of hers. But I'm all by myself and Dale. Larkin squeezed her eyes shut so she wouldn't laugh. Maybe it was the way he couldn't say his R's or the fact that there was such a big person in such a small body, but Larkin knew she never wanted to be Samless again. How about this, Larkin proposed. When I come home tonight, in just a few hours, I'll check on you, and it'll be like a sleepover. Can Jetson come too? Sam asked innocently. No. Larkin smiled at him. He has his own house. Larkin tucked Sam back into bed and left a lamp on at his request. She wondered if anyone knew she slept with a light on sometimes, too. After one last goodnight Eskimo kiss from Sam, Larkin closed the door and made her way to the staircase, careful to walk on her tiptoes so her stilettos didn't click on the floor. She remembered being little and thinking that the sound of being left alone was so much worse than actually being left alone. Jackson stood waiting for her on the third landing when she rounded the corner for the staircase. He waited propped with his legs crossed, chic and classic. Most of the house was empty now, only Pris and Bunny running aimlessly around, reapplying lipstick and touching up their hair. Hey, Larkin said with a succinct smile. After witnessing Jackson as a child whisperer, she had to at least be civil. Sorry it's taken me so long, been a while since I was Cinderella. Jackson watched as she walked closer, taking in every inch of her. Wow, he said. You look stunning. I mean it. Wow. Jackson stood up straight and uncrossed his arms. Thank you, Larkin said, dipping her face near her shoulder in embarrassment. You look great, too. I like the suit. 
Looks like you got all the dust off. Jackson walked down the stairs behind Larkin, a triumphant grin on his face. Bunny, come quick, Pris shouted as she watched the pair make their own way down. There is an absolute vision in Chanel on the staircase. Bunny sashayed over, the silver Halston plunging deeply to reveal perfect plastic cleavage, its material wrapped around her yoga-toned body like a glove. She gasped dramatically at the sight of Larkin. Amazing, Bunny smiled proudly. It almost hurts to look at you. You're that pretty. Pris nodded in agreement. You two are off the charts beautiful, she said, pointing to Jackson and Larkin. Better go into the party one at a time so you don't kill anybody. She threw her head back and laughed, her massive hair waving around her. Larkin's cheeks were fully engulfed in bright pink now. Thank you, she said, looking at everyone individually. It's the dress. Oh, and the earrings. It's hard to look bad when Coco and Harry are involved. Larkin reached up to her ears, the weight of the earrings already pulling at her earlobes. Bunny shot Larkin a warning look when she realized she had her earrings on. Anything happens to those and, well, just don't let anything happen to those, okay? Lil walked up with the martini glass, eating olives off the stir stick. She patted Larkin on the hip with her free hand winking at her in approval, then holding up the okay sign with her fingers. Well, go, get, she said, showing them all away with her hand. It's already half past. Jackson complimented Pris on her classic black dress before excusing himself to fetch the valet. She beamed with pride, her eyes going misty after he walked out the door. Bunny waved Pris and Hank off, telling them she'd see them there. Larkin, Bunny said, catching her just before she headed outside. I need a favor if you don't mind. Larkin nodded, waiting to hear what Bunny wanted before giving verbal acceptance. Will you introduce me tonight before I give the annual speech? It would be such an honor if you did. Everyone likes to know where their money goes for these benefits, you know. An instant knot formed in Larkin's belly. She felt the blood rush from her face, quickly replacing the pink cheeks for pale white ones. What? What do you want me to say? Like, just your name? Or I mean, what What do I say? Larkin wrung her hands together in anticipation. She grabbed an almost full glass of champagne from a nearby credenza and drained it. Well, don't flip out on me, Bunny gawked. Hopefully you can find a few entertaining and charming things to say about your own mother. She smiled widely. Won't you do this for me, please? Of course, Larkin agreed, swallowing hard. Jewels on your crown. Bunny clapped her hands together. It will be great PR for the family, too. No one has seen you in a while, and there are just so many questions surrounding... Bunny leaned in closer. The engagement. Larkin let out a deflated sigh. Of course. Mr. Boca Raton opened the front door, his white teeth lighting up the room. I'm ready when you are, madam, he started, winking at Bunny. J.D., Bunny greeted him, her voice sickly sweet. I don't believe you've met my baby. This is little Larkin. J.D. slid across the floor like he was in a Broadway show, reaching for Larkin's hand and kissing it. He let his lips linger a fraction of a second too long, giving Larkin an immediate chill. It is truly my pleasure to meet you, he said, his forehead line-free and unmoving. You are the spitting image of your gorgeous mother. Mr. Boca Raton made eyes at Bunny like he could devour her. More like sisters, I'd say. Larkin let out an empty laugh and forced a tight smile. Charmed. Isn't he something, Lark? Bunny patted her hand on his chest and gazed up at him. He's something, all right, Larkin agreed. Bunny darted her eyes at her in warning. Larkin walked with Bunny and Mr. Boca Raton outside. 
He had a driver waiting curbside for them by a flashy Bentley. Bunny climbed in the car giggling while Mr. Boca Raton popped open a bottle of champagne for their ride to the yacht club. Jackson's car was next in line, a freshly washed Baltic blue Range Rover with Alabama tags. It wasn't at all what Larkin would have pictured him driving, but probably came in handy with a child in the picture. He got out to open her door and walked informally back to the driver's side. The entire car smelled like him, a mix of musk and mandarin ingrained into the sand leather seats. Jackson opened the driver's side door and took his jacket off, laying it across the back seat on top of a couple of Disney princess movies and a pink bejeweled tiara. Larkin smiled when she thought about how different his life had become. Ready? Jackson asked, his brown eyes liquefying as the car's interior light faded off. Nope, Larkin said matter-of-factly, but I'm going anyway. Yeah, story of my life, Jackson smirked. I always thought you loved going to these kinds of things, Larkin questioned. Me? No, I go for the same reason you go. He gave Larkin a look, implying their mothers. Though, I guess we're grown-ups now and could probably say no. Huh, are we grown-ups? Larkin asked with an eyebrow raised, the last glass of champagne suddenly finding its way to her head. I mean, we both live at home. I don't have a job, or prospect of a job. I haven't reconnected with my friends here because I don't want anyone to ask questions. She stopped after that, realizing she had already said too much. Okay then, Jackson humored her. I'll be the grown-up. I'm staying, not living, with my mother, and I own my own company. I do pretty damn good, actually, and I also have a kid. I'd say that qualifies me as an adult. Sure, Larkin nodded. We're both adults, but are you a grown-up? Big difference. Jackson shrugged. Well then, I guess that's debatable. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Southern Solstice Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or by visiting my website, sarasadler.com.